Hello and welcome back to Mouthpiece. I am Savage Dan. And I'm Paulie Malanaji. I'd like to give a quick shout out to Chelsea who this week qualified for the semi-final of the Champions League and then for some reason decided they don't want to be in it anymore <laughs> along with uh, a few other clubs as well. Who knows what's going on there? Anyway, as always, like, comment, subscribe, leave questions. And the best question from last week when I was scrolling through the comments was, who is the greatest father and son duo in boxing history. Now, this obviously Whoa. is going to be in in, uh, in in two different parts, I, I guess. There's there's the the sons that followed in the footsteps of their fathers and became boxers themselves, and then there's also um, the the Trainer. boxers that are trained by their fathers. So, I'll I'll let you lead the floor there, Paulie. This is tricky. This is really tricky. But first of all, Chelsea and not, and any of those teams in the Super League get no shout-outs from me. None whatsoever. I, I, they get no sh- Ever again, they get no I shout-outs. Can't betray those them, teams but- are all, they're all dead to me. They're all dead to me. Every single one of those teams is dead to me. Okay, number one. Okay, so now let's get back to the questions. Um, best father-son duo. This is actually a tricky one because this could actually really needs a, a, a long drawn out thinking process well, we, we, you've, uh, got, as, you've got as Benz, as, you've got Eubanks Chavez yeah yeah you've got I mean yeah in England you've got the the Eubank family and and the, and the Ben family which is really really sharp um has there been a father and son that have both become world champions and I don't count Julio Cesar Chavez because he became world champion junior as a uh, as a, you know on a political power yeah um um so as much as I'd love to actually include a father-son world championship, world champions both uh, become world champion, mm. I, it's, that's a hard one to to top. I mean, that's a hard one to to put into the into other situations. Let me think right now. Here's the thing about fathers that were world champions and their sons start boxing. A lot of times their sons start boxing when, a little bit later because techni- t- typically championship fathers never um, – Never really want their sons to box. But people that are a family that's going to stick out to me right now, and they're still amateurs, or a couple of them are, are just turning pro. I'm telling you, they've got a ton of amateur experience. This champion was unlike other championship boxers in that his kids have been boxing since they're young, and they're all a super, super pedigree. Um, and if you follow them, any other men on Instagram, you'll know it's the it's Fernando Vargas and his three sons. Okay, and they, cool. I, I follow all the sons, and I follow uh, and I follow Fernando Vargas. First of all, we all know Fernando Vargas and his championship pedigree, but he's got three sons. I'm telling you, one better than the next. They are unbelievable. They are all three super skilled, and um, I, I think they're probably going to go down as the best father son duo because I think all three of them have a, have really talent to uh, get to a championship level. So that, those are my favorite. I mean, maybe I'm being partial right now because, you know, can you really put them in that category yet when they haven't won world championship uh, with the Suns? Maybe not yet, but uh, they've had elite amateur careers. And like I said, you got one better than the next. I mean, they've got oh, – they're all talented. Uh, the oldest one, I think, is actually a Salpo, uh, Fernando Jr., uh, Amato and Fernando Jr. just turned pro. Uh, and then Emiliano is a real, real yeah. crafty slickster. Uh, he's still an amateur. Um so those the th- Fernando Vargas' three sons and Fernando Vargas are my pick, but you've got to wait for me to be right. I'm gonna be right on this one, but you've got to wait. You, you know gotta what? get you like you gotta let you gotta let these guys uh, develop a little bit first. Uh, I wonder if I'm anyway. gonna throw a curveball like that. I, it, it's a tough one because I look at it and really there are some names, some surnames that just jump off the page of, or, at you, like Chavez. But you know really what that is. Um, then you look at. I'm looking at. The Mayweathers, obviously. And although Floyd Senior wasn't a world champion, I don't believe, Roger was. And I'm just trying to roll. 
I'm trying to roll that into a family, yeah, uh, yeah. rather than just and the, the fa- father-son. The, fam- the, fam- the family genetics, of course. Yeah, it is, it is. Um, so I'm going to give it over there, but I have a feeling, a sneaky feeling, and it's very premature to make it, that Campbell Hatton looks so much like Ricky Hatton. He does, he does, right? That I, it, it, It's scary, it, it's uncanny. Yeah. So for me, <laughs> I just Even the way he looks. It's just even the way he fights. Everything. It looks like the second coming. Of Ricky Hatton. So I've got a weird feeling that he's going to be so intense, but maybe with a bit more fluidity, a bit more... I, not that Hatton wasn't skilled, but maybe a little bit more... Finesse. Say talent than grit and, and energy and, and, and intensity. Um, and I've got a feeling they will find a way to... It, whether he does it or not through hard fights or, or, or through very clever matchmaking, I've just got a feeling they'll make that happen. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We both have, uh, we've both got, we've both picked families that the sons have not yet become champions, but they've, yeah. they've looked very, very promising. And I, I, I like these picks because I think every generation has uh, the father-son combinations are getting better and better. You know, uh, one thing I noticed in my generation was that the father-son combinations worked for a longer period of time. They, they, the father-sons actually got along. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up, I'd see father-son combinations and they'd always end up fighting and break apart, you know? Uh, I remember Roy Jones and his father, mm-hmm. uh, Shane Mosley and his father, you know? Uh, obviously always love between the father and son, but they, they, while they started out together in the pros, they ended up breaking apart and sometimes uh, would have uh, really bad clashes. Uh, but in my generation, uh, the guys my age, I noticed that um, you know you've got the Porters, you've got the the Garcias, um, that just off the top of my head right there, you know, and, and um, probably some few others, but the uh, the Lomachenkos as well, you know, um, they're really uh, father son combinations that have worked and worked throughout their car- the careers of these guys without ever breaking apart. Mm-hmm. So it's I feel like the father son combinations have gotten better from what that generation to this one. Yeah. And now in the next generation I feel like they can improve even, even more. In terms of a uh, a father son combination that is just a coach, do you have a favorite? Um you know I'd probably again the, the guys I mentioned. Uh, it's probably one of those. You know, I'm gonna say Lomachenko because you know he's got two gold medals and uh, um, unlimited amount of championships. But you know, uh, the longevity that the, the Garcias have had uh, on a championship level in the sport is really, uh, I mean, bar none. Really, I mean, they they've been champions at two weight classes and they've been champions for a long time. When you really consider it, the Porters have also been at a championship level, but not as long as the Garcias. Uh, but they also get honorable mention. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Lomachenko, but uh, with with really big credit to uh, Danny and Angel Garcia. And then uh, just below them, uh, Sean Porter and uh, I'm gonna go his father, Danny Ken, his father and, Kenny. I'm going to go Angel Garcia. I just, purely for entertainment value as well. You know, you never <laughs> really know what you're going to yeah. get. In the press yeah. conference, I feel like I feel like they've made Angel quiet down in recent years. I he feel has. Like maybe somebody got. He was outrageous like maybe, before. Yeah, I feel like somebody got in their ear and his ear and said, "Listen, man, you know it's probably better you quiet down. It's, it's a PC culture." <laughs> so I think it was PC. after the con fight because in the con fight, yeah. I was just like, I, "Oh my god!" I, I mean, Angel was uh, was one of a kind. Still an entertaining person if you know him personally. You yeah. know, he's he's actually a really good guy. And if you if uh and he can still be entertaining, but maybe on camera they, he's toned it down a little bit. <laughs> All right, let's have a look at the weekend's results. Andrade, you know where do we start? You you've been you've been talking about him for a, for a while. Said he needed a breakout. When we 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 
we said or we alluded to him perhaps needing a stoppage, at the very least, a very good performance. And I think we got a very, very good performance against Leon Williams at, uh, at the weekend. You know what? You know, I've always been high on Dimitri. So I was actually at the fight on um, on Saturday. I went to the fight because I'm down here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about Demetrius, uh, he's always been a guy who has gotten away from the fundamentals and has been so talented that he's make it, made it not only work, but made it really work for him. You know, uh, mm-hmm. not exactly fighting like Roy Jones, but in the Roy Jones mold in that he uses almost his fundamentals are actually terrible, but he consistently wins at an at at elite level, uh, be it in the amateurs or the pros, you know, Um the only thing about these kind of guys that I that I have a problem with and I have a fear of over is when you get a little older, your fundamentals are the thing that protect you. They are, You kind of go back to those because your reflexes slow down, your natural athleticism mm-hmm. slows down. And I noticed Demetrius on Saturday getting hit with some pretty good shots here and there, you know, um, shots that I, I, I'm not accustomed to him getting hit by, uh, by uh at least not by guys of this level, you know? Liam, with respect to Liam Williams, who came and, and fought a dogged kind of fight, I mean, determined and, and wouldn't be broken, refused to be broken. But but I thought he actually caught Demetrius in about, what, about round nine with a right hand that yeah. had the ropes not been up, I think Demetrius would have been in trouble, you know? Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, I, the, my fear with Demetrius is they're going to let him kind of pass his prime, which I, I can si- kind of sense it slipping away now at 33 years old. And then probably feed him to Canelo, and then all the all the Monday morning quarterbacks will go and say, "See, he wasn't that good after all," you know. But because Demetrius, I feel Demetrius in his prime beats all of these guys. I I really think I thought, he was the, I the top guy. I I I hear what you're saying about him getting caught with shots that you're not used to seeing him get caught with. But Liam Williams is 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 as as respectable, D- tough as they come. So. He's, course, it's a thirty-six minute fight. He's gonna land something yeah. at some point, and no, he can obviously punch. No, one hundred percent. But my, what my problem was, he's not. He's taking them, but I, I didn't feel like he took them very well either. Yeah. You know, and and so it, it's it, he's not. You know, he 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 won the fight clearly. I mean, there's no debating whether he won the fight. And, and honestly, Liam Williams put on a very respectable performance, in w- which I think will be cause to bring him back against another one of the top guys. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, so he gets respect out of it too. But it's just. I don't know. I felt like something was a little off. And I, I've seen Dimitri since he's 17 years old. The first time that I remember they brought him to camp when I was 24 years old uh, training for a fight. Uh, and they brought this 17-year-old kid, Dimitri's uh, Andrade. And, and, at the, and I remember being really impressed with him back then. And um, so I, I've seen this kid kind of grow up and, and, and really seen the amazing talent that he is. And I just, I, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm being hard on him because I've, I've seen so many versions, so many different great versions of him. Yeah. I wasn't crazy about... Um, the the way he, the way he looked, I, I I and I thought he won comfortably, but maybe showing just a little bit of mortality to his style, yeah. so to speak, possibly will get him the more dangerous fights. Now let's see. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, he's he's so avoided at 160. Do you think that fight, because perhaps he showed a little bit of vulnerability, gets him the big fights? A unification fight. You know, yeah, I, I would uh, hope so. You know what's funny about the unification fights is, you know, and 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 listen, great fighters are great fighters. If you're in, a, if in the conversation for a unification, you're a great fighter. So this is not meant to degrade or disrespect fighters. But the funny thing about unification is it's everybody always wants to go for unification in the weight classes. When unification is always talked about until you get a champion in the weight class like Demetrius Andre. And then all of a sudden, no, the unification just is not in the conversation anymore. All of a sudden it becomes, oh, I'm bigger than the belts and the belts don't matter. 
That's my problem here with Canelo. Canelo's bigger than the belts. The belts don't matter. But you still chose to make your mandatory defense against Avni Ildrum a couple of months ago when you have a Demetrius Andre in the weight class. You know, so do the belts matter? or Do they not matter? Or do they only matter when it's convenient? And when when they don't matter, when it's they also don't matter when it's convenient because this is a sport. Unfortunately, as I always say, it's a business before it's a sport, and fans really refuse to understand this sometimes because they're such big fans of one guy, you know, and or, or certain guys, you know. Um, both guys are elite, but I don't know. I just feel like this fight should been have happened, you know. Even Charlo and Canelo, or Charlo and Demetrius Andre. Was there was there Joe anyone that you wanted to fight when when you were in the ring and you didn't get to uh, fight um, him? I you know I, I got to fight a lot of guys, so I'm not I'm not I wouldn't. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe during my better years, I, you know, would have loved to get the Floyd and pa or Pacquiao fights. I was I was in the conversation uh, for them a lot. I was in the conversation uh, in about 2009, and I was back in the conversation for a Floyd fight in uh, 2012 after I won my second world title. But you know, it kind of just slipped away. You know, I don't think guys that were necessarily better than me got the fights. It's just uh, the way it happened. You know, you in the right place at the right time, you mm -hmm. get a situation where it doesn't work out for you. I remember in 12, I mean, who did he fight? Robert Guerrero? I mean, I was, I could have got the same fight, you know, but he fought Robert Guerrero. Um, Floyd finished his career against Andre Berto. Um, I don't know. Uh, at the time, I think I was already faded, but, um, you know, there was uh, several times. I remember after the Juan Diaz fights, um, they was talking about me fighting Floyd, and then he fought Shane Mosley, and I got the con fight and got blitzed in that fight. So that was the end of that conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, so they, it was probably, you know, one of those big, big, you know, heavy artillery money fights where you're fighting for total greatness on one night. But um, it is what it is. It happens. Also on the weekend, Jake Paul stopped Ben Askren in the first round. We told you don't try and go to war with Paulie <laughs> Malinaji on here. Just don't do it. Come you're on. getting stopped. Man, um, yeah, man. It was, one of the was weirdest, it was one of the weirdest nights of boxing in general, I'd seen in a while. Just you know, Snoop that was, Dogg. That was that that was that was an embarrassment, bro. That was an embarrassment. But I'm gonna I want to go into the whole night because first of all, here's the thing: the Regis Pro Gray Red Catch fight. I think Red Catch was also looking for a way out of the fight. Uh, yeah. And Red Catch has been a, a tough, durable guy. No, that shot didn't land. Yeah. That shot went around the back of him. He didn't land. You know, so so he's going down for a body shot. Then he's got to sell it to you because obviously he wants to. He's looking for a way out of the fight. Yeah. And this is, you know, Red Catchers have been a respectable fighter. He's been a really durable guy. There comes a point in your career where you just don't want to dig down anymore. Where you're just you just kind of had it. And it, and it, I I feel like Red Catch got to that point during that fight where Progray was giving him trouble, and it, he was just like, man, I'm just through with this. You know, I'll tell you what. And again, tidbits you get on this on this podcast. I'll be, I'll be honest, you lose desire little by little as your career fades on because mm -hmm. you've just been through so many tough fights. And even if you were once really, uh, if you really had at one time a lot of durability through tough fights, you, you, that durability kind of leaves you, even psychologically. You just mm -hmm. don't want to be in those kind of tough fights anymore. And I feel like Red Catch got to that point on, on uh, Saturday night. I, I, he just decided, I just don't need to be here anymore. You know, and he would have never made those kind of choices earlier in his career. I can remember my last fight against Sam Eggington. Um, Eggington landed a good body shot. You know what I'm saying? Um, he hurt me, and it was it was I was I was hurt. But he the thing about the body shot that Sam landed on me in that fight was it was a t tough fight for me. Where you know maybe earlier in my career it wouldn't have been such a tough fight, and I was kind of fading. My legs, you got these old legs, and they just don't want to work for you the same way anymore. Yeah. And I remember taking that shot and going down. 
and I maybe I you know I always question could I have got up at around nine or ten right around that time you know but I just like it didn't even cross my mind you know and yeah. and where earlier I would have tried everything earlier and that's why I retired after that fight because I know earlier I would have tried everything to get up you know and I feel like I would have probably beat the count but you know what you got when you're a faded fighter and you and you get up after a knockdown like that you're just gonna get up to more beating. You know, yeah. so you have to be willing to you have to be willing to get up and take more beating because at that point you're kind of fading in the fight, you know. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's when I knew, like, you know what, the desire for this has left me. You know, like it was already almost gone. I mean, that's why I was fighting on that level. But it was just like, you know, he and Sam ended up becoming a European champion after that. You know, he he did he did uh he did some. Hold on Lost one second, audio. guys. And he did. Sorry, it was a phone call. Oh. Uh, and and Sam did end up, you know, getting becoming a European champion afterwards and uh, and doing his thing. But um, I just felt like, you know, a different part of my career, maybe the result is different. Probably the result is different. Also, a different part of my career, if I take that same shot, maybe I, yep. I, I will beat the count and be willing to get up and risk more beating, you know. Um, but you just kind of, it just kind of leaves you. And so I think that's what also what happened with Redcatch on uh, Saturday night, you know, because Redcatch has also been a guy who's been durable. Which now takes me to Askren. Who showed up like a like like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Ghost from the movie <laughs> Ghostbusters? All right, to the weigh-in, okay, bad. and it was bad because I'll tell you what I thought psychologically he was playing mind games with Jake Paul and making Jake Paul nervous, you know, because he was so nonchalant throughout the pressers, and I thought, man, you know, this guy's a fighter, like he's really playing the mind games great. No, 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 no. He really was just showing up in a, in a nonchalant way, even the way he was training in all kinds of ways. And here's my problem with Ben Asker. And again, you talk about me and my law ball fight. And we talk oh. about loss of desire. Okay, we talk about me and loss of desire, and I get it. I Asker may have lost desire. He's 36 years old. I get it. But I fall law ball at 38. And you still got to go out on some sort of respectable fight. You know, mm -hmm. even with, with uh, Eggington at 36, I fought the fight. I didn't just look for a way out of it the moment the bell rang. I fought the fight, you know, and then, you know, I realized I couldn't hack it. In the Lobo fight, I, I was one-handed for three and a half out of five rounds. I could have decided at any point, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I don't want to be here fighting one-handed in a bare-knuckle fight. I'm like, screw this. I'm out of here. But no, I, I fought the fight because when you sign up for something, you sign up to also entertain the fans. You sign up as a man to do your job. Some nights are just not your night. Some nights are just tough nights. But you, you see the whole job through because that's what a man does. He sees the whole job through no matter what, whether it's, whether it's difficult or whether it's not difficult. And that's the character of boxing, but it's also the character in life. And this fat tub of beep, this fat, you know, like this, he shows up after coming with this critiquing, showed up like this fat turd that he is. The first big shot, he goes down, and I don't get me wrong, it was a nice shot, but he wasn't—he wasn't hurt enough to get out of the fight. Come yeah. on, man, he just got up, sh yeah, tried to show himself on. He acted out like he was unsteady, just so the referee would stop it. That's basically you quit without quitting. He—that's uh, what McGregor did against Mayweather too. Basically, you want out of the fight, you don't tell the ref you want to quit, but you basically let the ref know in another way that you don't want to be there anymore, you know. And and Askren did it in the in the was it the first round, a minute and a half in the first. Bro, we could fit Askren's last two fights on an Instagram post. I knew you was going to say. You understand? I knew you yeah, was going to say. Yeah. You got you got a, a two fight highlight reel of this guy on an Instagram post. Both of losses. I mean, get I, these guys like this kill it for everybody because you know why? Trilla's paying a lot of money. Trilla's a new network. They're paying a lot of money. This is going to make TV networks like Trilla and what happens to other TV networks 
pull back on the money they're paying people because they they're gonna say, nah, these guys are, are idiots. Like we don't want to waste money on, on this bum. You know, you you bum half half man. You bum half man. Like how do you show up? And, and, and make yourself look that bad, make the sport look that bad, make athletes look that bad, make fighters look that bad. Because then you're going to have other guys trying to follow in the same footsteps, trying to get those kind of money fights, which Triller has been paying. Mm-hmm. And now Triller is going to pull back on the money. Triller is going to say, no, nah, no, nah, you know what? Man, we're not going to go that far to pay this kind of money anymore. This bum, a total bum. And, and you know what? Jorge Masvidal is a bum, too, for, for, for defending this bum. He got mad that I criticized him. And then Masvidal got, got angry. I mean, bum, you're going you're gonna to go home yourself and get dragged around like a rag doll again in your rematch with Usman. And then you're going to go start a beef with me because that's what you all do. I notice all these MMA guys all start a beef with me because it's going to get play in the media because I'm a trash talker. So every time they're about they're on their way out and every time they're about to go go get a 9 to Five job because they're about to retire. They 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 start a beef with me. McGregor does the same thing, but he just he played it out well because then he got the he got the the, the whiskey uh, yeah. the, the whiskey. It worked out really well for him. But every one of these guys, when they realize the end is coming, they're like, all right, let me just start a beef with Malinaji. You know, and that's what they do. They you all do help. that. You I, can't I, don't help even, I don't even. You can't and then help when I am, I can't help but bite. But also, they, then it makes me look like the bad guy. Like I don't, I don't, I, I'm not, bro. I don't even think about these people. I don't even watch the sport for the most part. But. Anyway, these guys did the same thing. This fat tub showed up Saturday night and lasted a minute 40 seconds against a YouTuber. A YouTuber! A YouTuber! He got knocked. This guy was a, a an Olympic wrestler. An Olympic wrestler, former UFC fighter. He got knocked out by a YouTuber, bro. A YouTuber. That's what I'm saying. That's it. That's what I'm saying. You, and I said it before. You cannot call yourself a fighter when you've been knocked out in three seconds, like he did in his last fight. Once you've been knocked out in three seconds, That's you it. are not a fighter. And aren't, isn't, aren't all the fighters now happy that I said he, that I didn't associate him with us? Like, if I would have said this guy's a fighter, and then he comes in and loses to a YouTuber, it makes fighters look, look bad. Is but this fun? guy, I have, a, I have already... I, I have already I have already banned him from the fighter subject. So luckily for all the fighters, I took him out of the fighter um, category before this fight. So so Jake Paul didn't technically knock out a fighter because no. because Ben Askren was already removed from the fighter category when he got knocked out in three seconds by Masvidal. So there is Askren is not a fighter. Jake Paul is three and zero, but he's yet to beat a fighter. He just fought a guy who fights. That's all he so did, and he, he knocked him out. He's obviously he's won that fight. He may have beaten a. Uh, a bag or whatever it was that was standing in front of him. He did it. And now mm-hmm. he's talking about Tommy Fury. Nah, I don't see that fight happening. I don't, I don't think happen. it happens. You know I like going to fight? You know what if I tell you? If it does I- happen, I think we see the reverse though. I think we see Jake Paul get stopped inside a round. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. But that, that's I, I think it's, it was a, a, a brilliant beef to start. Again, sort of like Connor and me. Like Connor, Connor started that beef at the right time, uh, the right moment to, to promote it. But really, he was never gonna fight me. He knew what was gonna happen if he fought me. I think Jake did the same thing with Fury. He's the he's the, he's the heavyweight champion's uh, was relative brother. Is he brother? Was he uh, what is he? Uh, Tyson's brother? Yeah, Tommy Fury. Tyson's yeah, Tyson. brother. there's yeah. so many Furies that I get. I forget which ones are cousins and which ones are brothers. So so there's um, so he's the brother. You know, good fighter. Good up and coming guy, good looking guy, marketable. You know what? Jake's gonna start a beef with him, but he's not. Yeah, he's not. It. But he's not gonna fight him. He's not gonna fight him. I mean, it, no. it, it's it's a nice beef to start to get the tabloids w- working. But I tell you who Jake's probably gonna fight: Dylan Dennis. I tell you, it's Connor's boy. He's another one in the mold of Askren, and then he's a fighter, but he's a complete grappler and has no striking skills whatsoever. 
And he's younger than Askren. So technically, you're still moving the bar just a little bit more up because he's younger than Askren. Askren, you could say, okay, was faded at 36, even though even in his prime, he didn't have much. But 36, he was definitely faded. Um, Dylan is a, a, a really a, a, a very, very high-level jiu-jitsu artist, jiu-jitsu pra- practitioner, but striking is very, very, very lacking. And so this... But he's got a lot of marketability. Uh, he's, I would say he's almost, he's almost more of an influencer than he is fighter, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's going to generate attention, and that's going to generate the trash talk, and that's going to generate um, uh, probably another easy win for Jake Paul. But nonetheless, you can still consider it a step up, and it'll get a lot of views. I think the more realistic fight he's going to get is, is, uh, is uh, Dylan Dennis. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You know, I've signed with Celebrity Boxing, and I'll tell you what, if you're looking for a fighter who actually knows how to throw punches and is not on the size, because Tommy Fury's too big, come on. If you're looking for a fighter, I'll give you, I'll give you the size, I'll give you the weight, and then you can, we can step up to actually seeing if you can trade hands with a, with a guy who knows how to actually throw his hands. But right now, I think Jake Paul uh, and Dylan Dennis is probably the guy, uh, the matchup you're probably looking for. But I do think when he steps up to a... a to, to fighting actual boxers, um, people are going to expect um, some sort of a, a semi-retired name. So I think I do fit the bill, and uh, yeah. I don't think I don't think he does very well against me. If it's not you, then I'm jumping in. I want him. I'll get him out of there. Inside of get in it, Dan. You got an amateur boxing career. Course, Jump in there. Of course, I'll get rid of him. Hey, <laughs> fast. It wouldn't take me. It wouldn't take me long. Take influencer me long versus influencer versus influencer. Exactly. Let's go. There we go. Mind you, mind you, while we're on the record, if any YouTubers at all feel like jumping in, you know, I'm, I'm down to dish out free beatings, you know, like, because these YouTubers pay well. These pay, fighting these YouTubers pay well. So if any YouTuber at all is, is feeling froggy, just sleep, bro. Just sleep. You know I'm right that here. goes for me as well. If any of you guys want to fight me or Paulie, shout us out, write the check, make it happen, and we'll be there. That's simple. Go. That's what I'm saying. All right. Simple. Um, in the news this week, I feel like every week we're talking about it and every week we seem to be getting closer, but it's still not here quite yet. But the AJ Fury fight announcement is imminent, I guess. It's, it's, we're hearing dates such as July the 24th or it may even roll into August, but it looks like it is as good as done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I've been being teased for this for so long. And then in the last couple of months, the tease just got me right at the point. Right at the point. You know, right? You're right there. Right at the point. Uh, and then the tease instead. Instead, it was just a tease. Instead, it was just a tease. And then well, the Eddie, big announcement Eddie again. Eddie, Eddie Hearn was saying it on Saturday at, at, the, at the show, at the Andre fight. You know, he was, he was really making it sound like uh, this, was, this was a done deal for sure this time. Yeah. Well, even they, more they short, even had... even more short than two months ago. Exactly, so and last week, and the week before, it's just <laughs> yeah. staggering. And I the see news it. Talk. I do, I do, I do see Tyson Fury on Instagram training. You know, he's training with the uh, with the uh, uh, he's actually training with the Vargas brothers. You know, yeah. uh, Fernando's little brother, uh, Fernando's little sons, and um, you know they've been doing runs and 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 the gym pad work. And I'll tell you what, Fury looks in good, really good shape. You know, he, he looks does. light. He looks light on his feet. Uh, he looks nimble. He looks like he's ready to start a training camp, and uh, yeah. and I'm sure AJ's in the same kind of shape. So these guys are ready to go, man. I'm telling you, probably behind the scenes, it's, I, I get the feeling it's closer than even we realize, because it's easy to doubt the promoter when they when they talk, because the promoters are always talking. It's a bunch of junk, but yeah. 
But when you start seeing the fighters looking in the kind of shape they're looking, and you're like, all right, these guys know there's a fight coming up. These guys, you know, the guys aren't in this, in this kind of shape unless they're getting ready for a camp, or unless they're getting ready for a fight itself. So I, 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 I'm, I'm more confident now than I've ever been that this fight happens. Originally, when, when we got told about this fight, it was billed to, be, to, to happen in June. It's now being pushed and pushed further. I'm not sure if you know, but it clashes with the Tokyo Olympics. AJ's head coach, Rob McCracken, is the GB head coach. Oh, he may man. have to go into this fight without Rob McCracken. No, that's crazy. They have, they can't do that. They can't do that. Not for this fight. They can't do that. And What's I, the solutions? I, they, they have to move the fight. Come on, bro. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't put the guy in that position. You can't. That, that's that is that is unbelievable. You, you, how do they do that? That is unbelievable. How do you do that? No way. No way. I think that's. I, if, I think that's only the case if it's in early August. It, it, that's that's when it would clash with the Tokyo no, so, Olympics. So, so, I'm not sure if they'd have but to here, get him a but flight. Here, but here's the thing. What about um, AJ doing the training camp? Is he gonna do it with the GB boxing team then? Is that what's gonna happen? Well, you can. He, he when when he when he's here in the UK, he trains. At the GB uh, Institute in in Sheffield, so yeah, I knew that. But that then he goes to, then, but, then, but then he goes to Tenerife. I, I couldn't tell you. If anyone has the answer in the comments, put it in the comments. But I mean, fighting without your trainer is. Nah, they can't. I'm not sure if you did it they throughout they, your career. They can't. It, they can't it, obviously, that. psychologically. Is gonna have a big effect. Not for this fight. This is the biggest fight in boxing. Not just yeah. for them, their careers. Obviously, for their careers, it's 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 obvious. This is the biggest fight in boxing. No way. You can't do that to AJ. You also can't do that to McCracken, bro. You can't do that to either guy. There's no way. No way. That is that is ridiculous. 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 No way. They have to do that sooner. They have to. I'm make pretty the fight sure sooner. everyone's echoing what you're saying, which in my eyes says Rob McCracken will be there by hook or by crook. Whether that means they have to shift around the dates or whatever it is. They will make sure that for for the biggest fight in boxing, AJ obviously has his trainer with him. There's obviously loads of little nooks and crannies and and little things to to negotiate in in terms of contracts. One of the big sticking points has been who's coming out first and second to the ring. Now Eddie Hearn said that he might make them come at the same time from opposite sides of an arena. This is becoming more and more like wrestling every day. It really is. Yeah. No, I, I don't like that. Because then you, you, how do you decide on the walkout music? I don't like that. Because the walkout music, the walkout music is very important. I'll tell you yeah. what. The, the the most magnificent event I've ever I've ever a attended was the AJ versus Klitschko fight, Joshua versus Klitschko in Wembley Stadium, and their walkouts, their walkouts go into the fight. Uh, I, I believe Klitschko came out to uh, one of the Red Hot Chili Peppers song. And then uh, uh, AJ came out to Biggie Smalls' uh, um, Juicy. Um, I tell you, bro, in that kind of stadium, in that kind of atmosphere, 80,000 people and, and all kinds of fireworks and shenanigans going on, their walkouts were, I mean, dare I say, royalty, you know, majestic. I'm telling you, they, it, you you've got to give the, the fighters their, this kind of walkout or this kind of fight. You, they, they can't walk out at the same time, bro. This isn't wrestling. No, you, you, them, they've got to have their own music, and they've got to be able to enjoy and be in the moment, actually find themselves in that moment because you're also – you can lose yourself or find yourself in that in that huge walkout moment. You know, like it's part it, – it, it is 100% part of the event. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't wrestling this thing up, bro. Come on. No way. Here's oh, the thing, did. then. All right, if if that is the case, and we can't have both fighters coming to the ring at the same time, like Eddie Hearn has, has, has said that he may do, who comes first? Who comes second? And does it matter to the fighters? It, I think it. 
it matters from a matter of ego standpoint. Um, I guess you probably go with who's got more belts, which is AJ. I, if you're going to go by the boxing standard rule book, right? The bo mm -hmm. Because everybody changes it nowadays. You know, Mayweather was walking out second even when he was fighting champions because he was the bigger name. Canelo does the same thing. I personally don't like that. I don't, I don't think anybody should be bigger than the sport itself, okay? So mm -hmm. so I personally never like that. I, I think the, the rules of the sport should stand 100% regardless of, of, of who's in the ring, you know? Um, so I... I, I if we go by that perspective, AJ's got more belts, he should walk out second. If we can also take it into another perspective, that's my number one criteria. So if, if I'm going to say who should walk out second, I should say I'm going to say AJ because he's got more belts. Okay, because I stand by the criteria of 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 uh, boxing uh, strategy, boxing um, um, culture, the boxing culture in general. Right. So but then you can throw in another hat in the in the bag, so to speak. Um Another hat in the mix, so to speak. But this is this is my second criteria. It's not my main criteria. If we go by the second criteria, it's that only one of them is undefeated. So therefore, then Fury should be the one to walk out first. But that's my number two criteria. My number one criteria remains boxing itself. And if boxing itself is the criteria, then AJ should walk out second. Um, and, and Fury should walk out first. Right, Daniel Dubois is back uh, after his, his loss to Joe Joyce. He obviously... Has gone away. He's, he's repaired his eye, and he's he's uh had a camp, and he's had a long time to think about that loss. And he'll be returning on the fifth of June against Bogdan Dinu. It should just be a little bit of a uh, a, a warm up, I guess, a, a kind of just a, a soft touch fight back. Yeah, yeah. Who who do we see Bogdan Dinu against? I feel like I've heard this guy's name. Who, I who, who I was as I was saying it. Or was he or was he when was he or what? Or was he rumored to fight somebody? He was either rumored to fight somebody or he did fight somebody. I don't remember. But but either way, um, yeah, it's a, it's a comeback fight for uh, Dubois. You want to see what kind of confidence he's coming back to fight with. Um, bad injury. I, I've had that injury, the, the broken orbit bone. So uh, a, a bad injury to, to come back from and overcome. Um, and we'll see how uh, how he is. I, I, I would if you do a good surgery on it, it doesn't bother you again. Um, you know, I, to this day, my or, my right orbit bone that I broke in the Kodo fight never bothered me again. But you've got you if you got a good surgeon that did it. But of course, psychologically, uh, it's different. You know, do you want to be put yourself in the mix of and to, to you know be in the middle of the heat inside that ring and be in the be in the position where you can take those shots again? Um, or are you going to fight a sort of a shy kind of fight, a less confident kind of fight, which then, you know, triggers other insecurities inside the ring, you know? So that's more the thing I'm curious about is how does Dubois come back from a mental perspective, psychological perspective, not just from the loss, but also from the injury. Well, what about from a, perspec a perspective uh, viewpoint you know as as fans you know you hear a lot of fans who obviously sit sit in their, their armchairs at home and, and from the ivory towers and be like oh he quit and it, it can be quite damaging to, to a fighter's ego to their reputation how fast do we think that will be forgotten it depends on the performances uh, that Dubois gives us. You know, people will either jump down his throat. You know, the the sitting down on the armchair and, and criticizing is can be one of the most annoying things. I mean, because every time I, I remember when Kel Brook lost to uh, uh, Spence and kind of pulled out of himself out of that fight with the with the orbit bone, right? Took a knee, and everybody. And I was back in Kel. I said, you know, you don't understand the injury that he had. And it was the second fight in a row that he's had this kind of injury. I mean, mm -hmm. it, I can't even imagine the trauma psychologically that was he was going through, you know. 
and people are like, oh, well, you didn't quit in the uh, in the Cotto fight. You, it's not about that. I be, I didn't quit. It was I was at a different point in my career, um, where you know where I was just willing to go through anything. But at the same time, it doesn't mean I don't understand the pain and 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 the trauma you're going through in that moment. But that is a lot to deal with. So even with Dubois, you're gonna have the armchair guy saying, oh, you know, uh, you know, he he didn't suck it up in the Joyce fight. You suck it up. You know, I. I have sucked it up, and I'll tell you how difficult it is. It is one of the most difficult things to go through where you're fighting a puncher and he's still clobbering you on that bone. You don't even know what what what, what, what to make of the situation anymore, you know? So so you go through it, you know what I mean? Like, you, you ex we expect so much out of our fighters that we watch on TV from the armchair, from the from the ivory, from the ivory couch, you know? And and that is always one of the more frustrating things. And then and you'll see fans say, "Yeah, you know what, Paul, you're right." But then they'll do it to somebody else. They'll do the same thing. You'll hear you. A lot of you are listening to this conversation, to this statement, and saying, "You know what, Paul, he's right. You know, he, we're right. You know, we shouldn't do that." But then you'll go home, and in two weeks, three weeks, you'll forget this, and you'll actually do the same thing. You know, I've seen it. I've seen that done. You know, so so I'm I'm not gonna judge Dubois based on anything else, but. What kind of confidence he's working with from now on? Because that's that's where that's what you want to look at, and that's what you want to look for. You know, coming back from a loss, it's first loss of his career, which obviously stains you more uh, as far as inside your mind, and also coming back from that bad injury. Want to see how his what his approach is in the ring once the bell rings, you know? Because we knew his approach prior to this injury. He was a, a real uh, terrorizing fighter, uh, mm -hmm. big punching power, and real confident. So I want to see what kind of confidence he's working with once the bell rings. That's what I'm going to look for. I'm not going to look for anything else. I think anyone that's ever been in the ring, let alone that's that's even had a a broken orbital bone, is is gonna be quite understanding of of why Dubois uh, kind of opted to to not fight on in that fight. If he does come back and he's and he's the old Dubois, uh, and and a fighter that isn't showing too much, you know, uh, PTSD from from that fight with Joyce. There's every chance it could be fo completely forgotten. You know, we, we saw Roberto Duran who, who, who quit against uh, Sugar Ray, and and at the time it seemed like a big deal, and then for the rest of his career it was pretty much nothing. Yeah, I mean Duran was one that you could give it both the quitting, and also he was knocked out cold by Tommy Hearns, yeah. and both times psychologically he returned with fire, you know, with a, yeah. with a zeal, you know, so. So Duran is actually a great example that that it can be done regardless of the situation, you know. But you've got to be a mentally strong fighter. You've got to be. You got to have an inner mean streak to want to really overcome all that, and 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 for both for yourself and for the critics. I think that I think that's one of the the, the big telling points. You need to have uh, a mean streak, and uh, you know, Dubois spent quite a lot of time. In my amateur gym, whilst I was a, a, a amateur, I remember him. He was a junior. He had to come and train with us because he was too big for anyone that was his age. You know, when he was seventeen. And um, the one thing I always noted, he, he was very shy, very, very big, very strong. He was very at home in the ring, but outside of it, he was always quite quiet. He wasn't a, a huge character. Um, and I wonder if that is going to have an impact on and how. He approaches these fights when he returns. Yeah, because your self-esteem is very important. Boxing can can help your self-esteem. It could also kill your self-esteem, you know, by doing this sport. Yeah. And uh, having that high self-esteem, that high esteem of himself, is going to be very important right now um, in trying to overcome this negativity. Where does this era of, of British heavyweight boxing rank amongst all time? For, for me, 
I think this is the best era in terms of the names we've got. We've got Tyson Fury, we've got AJ, we've got Chisora, you've got uh, you've got Dubois, you've got Joe Joyce, you, you've got Derek Chisora. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I don't, I don't even. I don't even. I don't even think it's a debate um, as far as the British boxing. Uh, in the heavyweight division, first of all, British boxing in general has had a, enjoyed a yeah. terrific era in all weight classes. But the heavyweight division in British boxing can have its own world rankings on its own. You know, yeah. uh, so it's. Um, it, I don't think I've seen that before in my lifetime. You know, uh, I can remember. You know, when growing up, you had uh, Frank Bruno, Herbie Hyde. Mm-hmm. Um, I can one day came around afterwards, but again, it just wasn't. It, it wasn't together. It was like maybe yeah. a little bit right after the other, but it wasn't yeah. like all in one unison thing. You know, it was like just one right after the other kind of thing. Or they overlapped, but they really weren't in the same conversation. Um, this is like the same conversation. I mean, just to, just on the from the very, very tippity top where you've got AJ and Fury in the conversation for the, the, the heavyweight champion of the world and the mm-hmm. top of the sport, you know. And then uh, even right below, you got Dillian, you've got Chisora, you've got Joyce, you've got Dubois coming back now. You've got, I mean, it's it's a it's a who's who of uh, of, of of world class championship level fighters at this weight. The best right. era in British boxing heavyweight history. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's a testament to to the GB setup and and everything that you know. It's a small island, England. It's it's, it's small, Great Britain. I guess we'll call it. There's so many different names for it. I don't know. Um, finally, the last thing in the news is Billy Joe Saunders is contesting a decision regarding referees. Now, there was originally for his fight with Canelo supposed to be one English referee or one British referee, sorry, one Mexican and one American. And the UK, uh, the, the referee from the UK has been withdrawn. You can call it Canelo power and, and you know, the A-side stuff. Uh, is, is this a bit of a game changer? Is this going to affect the way Billy Joe has to approach this fight? Um, you know, I think if you change your approach, you're going to put yourself... I, people always say this, right? And here, here's my opinion of this, where you see people say, oh, you're going to get robbed. Well, just go knock them out. Go be more aggressive. When you are a certain kind of fighter, mm-hmm. if you come outside of yourself because you're scared to get robbed, you're going to put yourself in position to really get knocked out. You've got to put yourself in the best position to fight your best fight, and that's it. Yeah. And then whatever's out of your hands is out of your hands. Because the whole thing about, oh, got to get them out of there because they're going to rob me. You're going to put yourself in a position to not fight your fight and then get yourself knocked out. And then there's no drama, no controversy, and no nothing, no talking about it ever again. You know, people are just going to say, ah, oh, you knocked them out. So my my advice, and this is my this is the way I approached the Zinchenko fight when I won in Ukraine. They, I couldn't make, I, I also wanted to make some changes in the judging and the, and the, and the referee as I've gone into and as I've gone into uh, in, in, in past uh, episodes of our podcast, and I could not do it. So I just told myself, you know what, fight my best fight possible, round in, round out. Don't think of the scorecard. Just go in there every single round. And whether I won or lost, don't even think about it. Just go out every single three minutes, go in there and beat this guy's butt every single three minutes. And, that, and then whatever happens at the end happens at the end. And I, Saunders is in the same position. You're not going to win the political battle right now. I mean, we saw Golovkin win almost every round against Canelo and not get the yeah. decision. I, yeah, that that, that in itself, me. that yeah. win in itself is complete proof that there is no getting a decision against this guy. You know, I thought Kovalev was ahead of Canelo when he got knocked out, but on the cards it said something different. You know, so so you're not. And again, Canelo, it's hard enough to be Canelo as is because Canelo is a phenomenal fighter. It's hard enough to be that a guy that good already. It's it it just makes it all the more difficult when all the politics are on his side too, and uh, 
another reason why I couldn't put him number one pound for pound, you know, because, you know, if it wasn't for the polit political gains, he'd probably have a loss with Golovkin, and then he wouldn't even be in the top five, you know? So, so the way I'd see it with Billy Joe is uh, he's got to fight his best fight. He's, and we know Billy Joe has ice in his veins when he wants to, okay? He want, bro, what I saw, what he did with Lemieux, not Lemieux the fighter, because Lemieux the fighter, okay, he's limited, but he's still a big punching guy who was very, very popular in Montreal. He went to Montreal, and I remember when Lemieux walked into the ring uh, for his walk-in, Billy Joe got right in this guy's face, right in his face, you know, like to basically start the mind games right there. Even despite the, despite the crowd going all crazy and everything, Complete ice in his veins. I was so impressed with the emotionless state that he took in that fight and just completely dominated. So he needs to have the same kind of emotionless state. Just go in there and fight this fight. That's the that's the best way I can uh, I can give advice in this situation if if, if I allow myself if uh, if I may. Um, he's got to be in an emotionless state and forget about the judges. Forget about the referee. Obviously, out right now he's got to combat it. Yes, he got to combat. It. He's got to do the combat and 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 try to get the ref changed or the, or the judges, whatever he doesn't like. You've got to do that right now. That goes without say. But once it works or doesn't work, whether it works or doesn't work, when you step in the ring, none of it will matter ever again. None of it should matter ever again. And you've got to go in there and fight your best fight. And if you fight your best fight, people are gonna talk. People are going to talk. But if you come outside of yourself trying to be somebody you're not because you realize you're feeling the pressure and you and they're going to rob you and you get yourself knocked out, trust me, nobody's ever going to talk about you about you and this guy again. So you, you want people to stay in the, you want to stay in the conversation with this guy? Fight your best fight. Make it that kind of fight. And if you make it that kind of fight and fight your best fight, you know what? Regardless of the result, people are going to know and talk about you and even probably demand a rematch. And maybe you'll get a decision. Maybe we'll finally get a Canelo decision yeah. where he doesn't get it if he actually loses, you know? But Canelo's a world-class guy. It's not that easy to beat him already. So you've got to give 100% of your focus to on to Canelo because if you give certain percentage points to to the judges and referee and stuff like that, it's going to it's going to hurt you more in your performance. Right, on to predictions. This week we have Denzel Bentley against Felix Cash. A very very good fight. Um, Felix Cash is, is power in both hands. You know he he's quick. He he's quite in your face. He fancies a fight more than more than a a, a boxing match. Let's say, um, and then you've got Denzel, who is who's relatively new on the scene. He's had uh, two fights uh, recently against the same opponent. Uh, I think he drew one and won the last one by knockout. So it's a, it's a tough one up in the air. What are you going with in terms of predictions? Okay, I'm a little bit ignorant of a couple of these these couple of guys. I haven't seen a lot of them, but with the lack of experience in Bentley and the big punching power of Cash, I'm gonna slightly go with Cash. Yeah, that's you know what? Have I oversold Cash there? No, I really like Cash. I think Cash is good. Um, because you've gone Cash. I'm gonna go, go Bentley. Bentley. <laughs> I'm gonna go right, Bentley. Right. He's a Londoner as well. I know a few people. But you know what? Him. You can't buy the Bentley without the cash, my hey! man. <laughs> hey, there you go. Um, yeah, so I, I, honestly, I think that's a fight that's going to gel very, very well. Um, I've been seeing it all over the, the Champions League games as well. So they're obviously trying to trying to drum up the promotion as well. So it should be a very, very good fight. Don't miss that one. Also, we have Emmanuel Navarrete against Christopher Diaz. What do you think's happening there? Uh, Diaz has, uh, has been in uh, a couple of fights that come up short in, uh, uh, against a couple of good fighters. Uh, Navarrete is a rough character. He's one of these guys from Mexico, loves a good tussle, a uh, good body puncher. I'm going to go with Navarrete. I'm going to go with Navarrete as well. 
because I'm not going to disagree with you twice. And uh, <laughs> and also, anyone who's who's just from that side of the world just seems to be able to tough out decisions as and when they need to. On this day, and to be fair, there isn't much in boxing history for this day, but we do have our very own Mikhail Lawal who had his debut on April 22nd, and that was four years ago now. Um, Mikhail Lawal obviously scored a, a knockout in the final of UB4. Very, very powerful cruiserweight, and he's going to be a big prospect going forward. Yeah, strong, strong guy. Really fun to watch. Always come forward and uh, really puts on exciting matchups. I got, a, I got my own little tidbit though. A April twenty second, nineteen eighty one. My good friend Luis Colazo's birthday. Former WBA welterweight champion. I gave a good, gave a good fight to Ricky Hatton, uh, ex world champion from Brooklyn. So happy birthday to uh, Luis Colazo. He joins Happy the big four zero club. Joins the big four zero club. Hey, 40, 40. What a positive note. What's a, that's a good note to end it on. Anyway, that is all from us this week. As always, remember to like, comment, subscribe, share all of that. If you've got any questions for us, leave them below, and we will see you next week. And PSG is going to win the Champions League because they did not join the Super League. No, Chelsea are going to win it. Goodbye, guys. <laughs>